Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We're in this next week of uh, anger. Um, I looked at some stats. 64% of people say the world is becoming an angrier place. Um, 32%, yeah, now you're angry. 32% say they have close friends or family members who have trouble controlling their anger. That's just my family that said that. Um, did you seriously just cough? Were you coughing saying, yeah, that's my dad? Or were you, uh, you really sick over there? Um, it, it's, <laughs> anger is, is ultimately uh, a secondary motion to something else. Anger is what's manifested when, when other things happen. The primary emotion is fear or rejection or lack of trust or hurt or loss of control or frustration. Anger is just how it comes out. And I want to look at an Old Testament and a New Testament picture of anger and how we deal with it. Let me, it you, let's see, it, how many people in here think they have, to deal, have a difficult time dealing with anger, other than me? Okay. All right. Some of you are liars, but that's all right. Um, but uh, it, it is, I know in, it, it is a prevalent thing. It is very, very difficult. Here's a, a principle that I'll talk about this week and, and next week. Remember this. Anger will always take you further than you wanted to go. It will keep you there longer than you expected to be there or wanted to stay. And it will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. Anger will absolutely keep you engaged in something that, that you didn't want to be engaged in for that long and take you to places of language, of, of hurts, and, and all these things that you do. It will take you to these places just about every time. And then what happens is the cost of that is more expensive than you wanted to pay when you went into the initial thought of why you need to be angry. Remember that. It takes you further, keeps you longer, and costs you more than you want to pay. Anger is an expensive emotion. Anger makes bad situations worse. The situation usually is already in a little bit of a crazy, and then your anger, my anger, takes it to another level. Anger destroys relationships in that, that relation, whether between a man or a woman, but between two brothers or two sisters or whatever, it destroys relationship, your anger and mine. And anger often leads to aggression. The stats, and I didn't put them up because there are so many, of, of, of aggression coming out of angry young men in this country today. And what we're seeing is just staggering, all based in anger. Let's look at Moses, the Old Testament, and anger, and so I'll give you a little picture into to the Old Testament. Let me, let me preface this by saying, people often, have you ever heard this one? Well, God's a different God in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Anybody ever heard that? He's a lot angrier in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he's just kind of cool and flowing and everything's good. No, 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 no. And, and let me qualify this also. Gosh, there's so much here. I did not talk about righteous indignation or godly anger that is, is good, there is an aspect of anger that can be good, where, where God stirred. When Jesus went to the temple and was angry, that, that was good. In defending the, the, 
you know, the, the, someone who can't be defended, there's, there's good. But let me just show you that God is consistent throughout Scripture. And in fact, when you get into the New Testament, God steps the game up a little bit. So let's look at this. Moses, the Old Testament, says this in Numbers 29 through 12. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered uh, the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. Will you bring out water from this rock for you? And Moses lifted his hands, and he struck the rock twice with his rod, and plenty of water came out, and the assembly drank and, and their livestock. What's going on here is the, the children of Israel are, have been wandering forever. They're wandering through the desert because of their disobedience, and they come to this place, and they have no water, and they're, they're mad at, at, at Moses again. Now, now think about this. Moses had just walked them through the Red Sea, had just delivered them from, from Pharaoh. I mean, miracle after miracle, you know, the Ten Commandments, all these things that are great things that God had done. And they're still grumbling about God not doing exactly what he want, they want him to do. Sound familiar? Moses is the leader. And he, he, they're crying out for, for water. And God comes to Moses and says, go. He says, go and speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, water will flow and satisfy my children. Moses, in his anger, comes before the assembly of all these people. And he lifts up his hands and strikes the rock twice. Water flows. But look at what happens in 9 and 12. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said this. Because you did not believe in me, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you will not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. And the reality is this. Anger cost Moses his promised land. Anger cost Moses everything that he had heard about, was doing, and wanted to do, which was take the people that God had placed in his hand and bring them into the promised land. Moses never stepped into the promised land that was promised to him because of the anger that was in his life. How many of us, I don't know, and I'm not saying this is 100% that whenever you get angry, you're going to lose your promise, and that's not what I'm saying, but there's very distinct times where God just goes, okay, enough's enough. How many marriages have been lost if a man or a woman would have just stepped back from all the anger that has been built up and trusted in God and they've lost their promised land? Because this covenant of marriage is a promise from God. It is a promised land. There's something good when we come into marriage. There's, there's things that happen that God does that is, is really good. But, but when all this, you can lose your promised land. He says this, because you did not believe in me, anger is directly connected to faith. Because you did not believe. Anger is a direct reflection of your faith in God. I get angry at situations because I can't control them, and I don't think God has control. So I don't have faith that God's going to take care of it. For me, I don't have faith that God is going to do what he's going to do in my children or in my marriage. So I try to take control, and I yell and scream at the cost of losing children. Now, I, I don't think I've lost my children completely, but I've lost them for moments. And if you, if you stay in this, you could lose your children. Anger is a direct connection to faith or lack of faith. 
He goes on, he says, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Anger is the antithesis of holiness. Over here is this angry and this, this come on, you got to get things together. What are you thinking, you idiot? I know none of you have said that. The antithesis is, oh God, you're going to make it right. Oh God, I trust you. Oh God, you're good. Oh God, help me. Over here is like, come on. Get it together. Over here is like, God, I know you got it. How many walk in the peace of that? It's, it's, it's these two ends of the, of, of, of the spectrum. And, and Moses had these people that are looking to him as a leader. And he strikes this rock in anger. God's still faithful and brings the water. But it doesn't show them this holy God that this man of God is trusting. Who's looking at you and going, hmm, this God you serve, he's really that angry? Who, who's watching your little spouts and going, oh my goodness, that God you serve, really, he's, he's that angry? Anger's the antithesis of holiness. It's quiet in here. Dear Lord, you guys are sinners. Um, <laughs> number, number three. I, I want to make you uncomfortable. I don't know. Um, number three, you will not bring the assembly into my land. Anger can cost you your promised land. Anger can cost you your pro everything that God. Anger can cost you your promised land. And I don't want to see my promised land given up because of an emotion, because I don't trust in God. I don't want to see that all that God has for me thrown up in smoke because I can't sit on my face and, and repent and ask God to give me direction. I don't want everything blown up in my life because uh, my, my children leave their clothes everywhere and, and, and surfboards everywhere and, and they make a mess of my house and they don't, and I just lose my mind. Really? Really? Is it worth it? Losing? Now, I, those are not true stories of my children. They know. I'm just using it as a, kind of like a story. You guys know that, right? Um, <laughs> my, my children are wonderful. Anger is a lack of trust. It's unholy. It's a lack of intimacy with God. At the end of the day, anger is a lack of intimacy with God. And, and, and in this time of fasting, I've been fasting this week, it's like you'd think, okay, I had some great, powerful, breakthrough, holy moments. And then I literally, I, I started to see what food does to me and had some angry, angry moments to, to the point where my wife finally yells out, just go eat. We want you to eat. You're a jerk. <laughs> Gosh. Let's look at Jesus in the New Testament in anger. Um, it, 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 again, people say Old Testament God, New Testament God. Same God. Same God. Jesus, in fact, takes it to another level. He says this in verse 22, uh, 21, 22 of Matthew 5. He says, you've heard that it is said uh, to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Hold, hold on here. He, 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 let's look at 1 John. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, hold on one second. This is coming from the Bible. I don't say it. This is not me. If it was, if it was me, I'd let it all, let's all be angry and see who, who makes it, okay? That would be my philosophy. 
But it, this is what the Bible says. This is what it says in the Word. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Jesus says this. Look, if you even think about hating someone else, it's like you've committed murder in your heart. That he ta- now, you, you, oh, the old, the old Testament God's so mean. Jesus just goes, wait a second here. I'm going to take it up a whole, I'm going to ratchet it up a whole nother level. I'm going to deal with your thoughts because your thoughts come out of the abundance of your heart and they go forth. So it's really who you are. And if you have hatred towards someone, if you're angry towards someone, if there's just this in you towards someone, Jesus says this, you'll be judged as if you're murdering them. That's hardcore. That's, that's pretty serious stuff. Is there anybody you're angry at? Is there anybody that you just can't stand? Is there anybody in your heart that is just, because uh, Jesus goes, dude, you're going to be judged on that. Takes it to a whole nother level. What anger does is it, it, it cuts your legs out. I don't know if I put this in here. Jesus takes it to another level. But it, anger takes away all of your authority as a parent. It takes away all your authority as a partner in a, in a relationship. The moment you get angry, you lose the moral high ground. The moment that you, you blow up and explode, when I explode with my children, and then they explode back, I've lost the war. The moment that I escalate everything, because I'm supposed to be the authority in my home, everybody else escalates, and then I get mad, madder. I have to look in the mirror and go, wait a second here. Just like Moses struck, you struck the rock. And the people may be complaining, but you struck the rock, and you're not showing the holiness of God when he did that. You're not showing to your children, to your wife, what Jesus really looks like. You're not... You're not you're not in this place of trust that, okay, God, you'll work it out. God, you'll work it out. And, and, and then it takes a, a godly wife who goes, okay, I'll ask forgiveness. Knowing full well, I need to ask forgiveness to de-escalate the situation. It, it is a, it's a costly sin. It's costly sin. How do we handle anger then? Let me give you a few points of just how, how we handle it in a godly way. It's, it's so important as Christians. And I want you to just kind of evaluate a few areas. I want you to evaluate your office, how you deal with people. I want you to evaluate if you have children, how you deal with your children. I want you to evaluate your relationships. How do you deal with your wife or how do you deal with your husband? And then I want, to, I, want you to deal, I want you to evaluate your, your friendships and those that you run with. The last one for me is i got to evaluate how I play hockey because apparently I was voted the angriest hockey player in our, in our, by our team. <laughs> Which I think you're just as angry as me, Mark. I, and apparently I also won biggest tantrum too. So um, anger and tantrums go. I want you to evaluate. Look at your life. And now, here's what we do. Here's the practical side. Hopefully, we're real uncomfortable right now. Hopefully, there's some conviction in the room. Now, I, some of you may be just, just right on the money, and that's great. Stay on the money. Keep fasting. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. Keep allowing this to go down. But 
I need this. And, and here's, here's what we need to do. Number one, we can handle anger biblically by recognizing and admitting our prideful anger and our wrong handling of anger as sin. Pride. Who are you? Really, who are you to step into this situation and then just go off on everybody? Who am I to step in like I got my stuff together and then just who the heck do I think I am? Who do you think you are that you can talk to someone that way? Who do you think you are that you can, uh, gosh, if I could just grab this in the moment. Who do I think that I am that I could ever talk to this woman the way that I talk to her sometimes who has spent 23 years with me, has bore me five children, and puts up with all my stuff? Who the heck do I think I am? It's pride. I'm the man in the house. I go out and work every day. I run the show. I deserve to be angry. not true. I have to come to this place of this pride and gosh, it's so difficult and the the wrong handling of anger. A righteous anger is one thing. This anger that I get in is about control. And Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will attain mercy. If you confess your sin, if you ask forgiveness, if you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive. And, And we've got to first and foremost understand that we are prideful human beings and nobody deserves the wrath of your anger, especially your loved ones. Eh, not especially. Nobody. Because the world doesn't deserve it. They want to see the holiness of God in your life. They want to see a man or a woman in the midst of chaos that deserve to get angry, just walk in the steadfastness of knowing who they are in peace. And then they're going to go, how do you do that? And all you can say is Jesus. That's what the world wants to see. Not more angry Christians with signs are going to hell. <laughs> Does nothing. Number two, we can handle anger biblically by seeing God in the trial. We can handle, handle biblical anger by seeing God in the trial. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and the steadfastness has a full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When I trust God in the trial, there are so many things that I can't control. There are so many things that happen in my life that I cannot control, and I get angry about them, and they're totally out of my control. But my lack of faith doesn't allow me to walk in the peace of knowing that God is right in the middle of my trial. In fact, God is allowing this trial in my life, maybe to work some things out of me, and, and maybe he's saying, maybe you can get it this time, idiot. God's right in the middle of your trial. God's right smack dab in the middle of your messed up marriage. God's right just deep in the middle of your finances. God's right in the middle of your addiction, of your kids, of your company, right in the middle. And seeing God in that trial is so important. It's so important. You know what, God? Thank you. I see you in this. 
And if I, if I just stop striking the rock, and if I, just, if I just go to press in to trust you, if I, just, if I just read this word, if I'll just fast a little bit, and let me, let me just stop and give a, a sidebar. This isn't about doing. I do because of who Jesus is, not because I have to in order to get his approval. I do because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to walk in this anger anymore. I do because of what he has done for me. I can happen. I can handle these if I understand that he's in the middle of the trial. Number three, we can handle angry. We we can handle anger biblically by making room for God's wrath. God says this in, in, in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. This is huge. This is this is really big for abuse victims. For children or, or rape or, or any, any of those, those abuses that people have gone through. Because what you want is you want blood for blood. Rightly so in my mind. But God says this, I'll deal with it, trust me. See, the holiness and the worship in that, in that place of whatever the hurt is. So God, I, you're big enough, you've got it. It's trusting him in that. See, because some people are thinking, hey, how come he's getting away with it? How come she's getting away with it? How come they're not getting dealt with? But that's not true because the Bible says God will deal with it. And if it's not on this side of of the earth, it is on this side. And if you don't get it here, I can guarantee you this, that when you stand before God someday and if you've committed these atrocities, that God will deal with your sin. Not getting away with it. See, it's a little, little shift in our mindset. And the mindset is this. I've got to, they've got to feel the pain that I feel. But Jesus says this to us. Feel the pain that I felt. And allow my peace to just sit right there. And trust that I'll deal with them. Trust that I'll deal with these people. Now here's the tricky part. Because right after that last one, God will deal with it. We can handle anger biblically by returning good for evil. Really? Really? You screwed me over. You hurt me. You defrauded me. And now I, you, this, this Bible expects me to be kind to you? That's crazy. It's Jesus. See, Jesus flips everything on its ear. The world says revenge. Jesus says, leave it to me. Trust me, and I'll bring healing to you. See, because anger, the only one, oh, not the only one. Anger, what it does to you is just binds you up in a place. And you walk around mean and, and unrepentant, you just all this stuff. If, if we can get to this place where someone completely offends you, when a, a wife or a husband or a child or a friend or a boss or, or the driver down the 405 completely offends you, return it with good, kindness, imagine what things might be like. Now, the funny thing is with that, you can give kindness, and, and it does not guarantee that that person is going to change their actions. In fact, they could keep going and keep being a complete jerk and keep trying to hurt you. This scripture is not about allowing people to keep hurt you, hurting you. It's about it, what it's saying here is do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What it's saying is this. Just because they hurt you doesn't mean that you go out and hurt others. Hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that expression? 
And we've got to stop this. Hurt people hurt others. Hurt people need to seek Jesus and go to the cross and allow him to heal so that there's goodness that comes out. And then when you tell your story about how you were hurt, it's not this reactionary thing that, yeah, I got them back. It's like, no, Jesus and the cross and the blood of Jesus and what it did in my life was so powerful that I can walk in the freedom and I don't have to walk in this condemnation. I don't have to walk in this hurt anymore. It's not easy. But God is good. He's sufficient, and he can heal my hurts. Number five, we can handle anger biblically by forgiving. Again, it just gets tougher and tougher. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Mark 11, 25, 26. And when you stand praying, if you, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. We have to forgive. The Bible's so clear about forgiveness. There's so much unforgiveness in this world. It doesn't mean that you can't disagree with someone. It doesn't mean that you can't have different varying opinions. It doesn't mean that that because you're a Democrat and they're a Republican or they're a Republican, you're a Democrat, that it just means, look, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get this let this anger get in the middle of this. No, I'm gonna trust Jesus. And whether we have the worst or the best president, whether we have the worst or the best Congress, whether we have whatever, the, the messed up government. No, no, my faith is not in this system. It's not in this government. It's not that, that, that this will change, because I don't know that it will. My faith is in Jesus, that he is steadfast, that he is everlasting, that he is good. And I have to forgive. So hard to do. So easy to stand up here and yell about it. So difficult to do. Forgiveness. God calls us to forgive. And even as we're getting ready to receive communion here, some of you need to look in your heart and you just got to stir up some forgiveness and take it to the cross. Where do I start? Confession. If I confess with my, with my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives. When I confess my sin, confess my anger, then what do I do? It's not necessarily over there. there some of you need to be reconciled. So if you're offering a gift at the altar and there, and there, remember that your brother had something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What's that saying? Look, don't come to church unless you've reconciled these relationships. Don't come and bring your offering. And, and I'm talking about communion. I'm talking about uh, 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 an offering like uh, finances. I'm talking about coming in your offerings of praise. Saying, don't bring it until you've reconciled these relationships. Now, I know that's, it's hard to do every week, but some of you need, before you come back here next week, you need to reconcile some things with people. You need to repent. You need to deal with some, some of the anger. Because that's what God has for us. It's uncomfortable. But the beauty of, of, of walking in the uncomfortableness of what God calls us to is that he brings his peace right behind it. And his peace and his hope and his goodness and his kindness all follow that place. Of, oh, God, because right now I know there's a feel of us. I'm uncomfortable. But God's grace is right there.
His peace is right there. His goodness is right there. And I don't, look, I can't control what happens with the other person. They may still be a complete fill in the blank. They very well might. That's not why I'm doing it. Because God's reconciling something in me. God's reconciling something in me. And that's what he wants for us. So as we wrestle through this, um, next week it's going to get really uncomfortable because we're going to talk about lust and what Jesus says about lust and the, and the eyes. So if you, if you really want to squirm more than this week, please come next week. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.